Welcome back, saints. I'm excited to be here with you again today. We are doing the Equipping the Saints series, and today we are on Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 30, where Paul is going to express his great love for Christ and his desire to go home and be with him, but yet knowing and understanding that he still has work left here to do. And so he counts it all joy, even as he finds himself facing death in prison. He reminds us of the suffering that we are all called to, when none of us are going to escape this life without trials and tribulations. It is part of the human experience and the walk with Christ, but we truly can find joy within it. I pray this teaching blesses you. Hey family, welcome to God's Word, Transforming Lives. Are you ready to dive deeper into your walk with Christ? Do you desire to learn His Word with a greater understanding that applies to your daily living? Do you feel like you're in a vicious cycle of victory and defeat? My name is Amy, and friend, I was so frustrated with my faith walk for decades. No matter what I did, I could not escape the symptoms that trauma from my childhood left me with. Not only that, I didn't seem to experience any victory that I read about in the Word of God. And even worse, I couldn't see it or experience it in my church life either. It all left me feeling even more confused and more empty. I knew Christ was the way and the truth and the life, and I knew His Word was the answer. So finally one day, I got fed up with living in defeat, and I became determined to find the Jesus of Scripture. I discovered true faith in Christ and had to unlearn much of what I had been taught. With God's Word and His Spirit, I have been free from anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and suicidal thoughts for almost 15 years, and I have learned a tool set to overcome my past trauma and losses. God's Word has transformed my life. If you are ready for truth and transformation, then hop into the slow cooker with me and let's marinate together in God's Word. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or, or by death. Paul saying here, listen, my body, my life is going to magnify Christ regardless of what happens to me. So if God chooses to allow me to physically leave this prison, and I'm able to go back out in the streets. I'm able to go back out and preach the gospel. I'm able to go and minister to the saints of, in different churches in different regions. Praise God. Christ is going to be magnified. If Christ should take me home and I die and I, and I, and I go to glory, it's okay because this body magnified him and I'm going to magnify him in my glorification. 
I'm going to, I'm going to glorify God for all of eternity. My life is for Christ and my death is for Christ. I will sing his praises all the way to the guillotine or all the way to the crucifixion or all the way, whatever he was facing. And we've seen that if you've ever read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. And if you haven't, I highly recommend that. That was, um, that's been a read um, among Christians for um, many, 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 many decades. And it used to be one of those things that people kept like on their coffee tables because it was so well known and well read. Um, we don't read it anymore, especially in the West, because that's not the gospel that most of us are following, unfortunately, in the West. We don't want to talk about being martyred. We don't want to talk about um, persecution and trials and tribulations. We, we want to talk about health, wealth, and prosperity. And so we have a hard time reading um, things that are more accurate of what a true born again believer goes through, especially in other countries and especially through um, all of church history. And so I highly recommend reading the Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's not an easy read, but it's a read that will bless you beyond any other read compared to your Bible. Your, your Bible. Um, I think it's a necessary read. So one thing you'll notice when you read the Fox's Book of Martyrs is that, you know, as, as they were facing death and they were facing trials and tribulations, man, some of these people were singing literally um, until they couldn't sing anymore. And I'm not going to get into the details here um, on this particular um, uh, video or podcast because, you know, maybe you don't want to hear about that right now, you know, but at the end of the day, read the book. Because you'll find what some of our brothers and sisters in Christ and how they were able to sing his praises, you know, while being caught on fire. They were able to sing his praises all the way before they chopped the, their heads off or whatever they went through. And so this is what Christ, this is what Paul's saying. I'm going to glorify Christ regardless. I will praise him in my life. I will praise his, his Christ's name will be magnified in my life and in my death. For to me to live, verse 21. For to me to live in is Christ and to die is gain. Either way, he he goes on to say, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall what I shall choose, I cannot tell. He was he longed to be with Jesus. And he he knew that being with Jesus was his savior. He loved him so much and he wanted to be with Jesus. He knew that the peace and the joy and finally to be away from all of the contention and all of the um, persecution and the pain. I'm sure his physical body was very wore out. Um, I'm sure that he had a lot of pain in, in his body, a lot of inflammation and um, just from everything that his body had went through with all the prison and the stonings and the whippings and everything. Um, so I'm sure he was in a lot of physical pain. I'm sure um, just emotionally it had to take a toll on him. I mean, I, I often think of the church in, Gal in Galatia, the church in Galatia, how he um, established that church. He loved them so much. And then as soon as he left, the, all these false teachers came in and they actually had them questioning if Paul was even called to be an apostle, if, if he was even a true apostle to the point that he had to turn, like he had to write a letter and like, literally not only correct them, he, he was so hurt by the fact that they were bewitched by false gospels already, but the fact that they even questioned his apostleship after he spent so much time with them and they saw his fruit, like they saw that he was a true man of God. And yet these false teachers came in and, 
you know, and so I can only imagine someone who I'm in ministry and I, and I, I know that pain of betrayal or, you know, when you, when you do so much for people and then they, they turn on you so easily or whatever it is, it's painful, like emotionally, um, it, it just, it, it's, it's grief. I mean, I, it's extreme grief. And so in, I am not Paul and I have not gone through near what Paul went through. He established all these different churches and he went through it all the time. And so I'm sure emotionally he was just, you know, exhausted, tired of being betrayed, tired of the pain, tired of what ministry life does bring to you. And it does bring a lot of um, emotional pain, spiritual fatigue, um, mental strain. Um, it brings very, a lot of physical um, strain. And so I'm sure that he was just and his love for Jesus, just wanting to be home, wanting. Remember, this isn't his home. This isn't our home. And so he longed to just be home once and for all. And you can see that here. But then he also understood that by him just staying here and staying in this tent and still dealing with all the things that we deal with in this tent, mental, emotionally, physically, spiritually, um, that it could bear more fruit, that he could be used for, for even the Church of Philippi and other churches and other people, that he still had a lot to offer and a lot to pour out. Um, in this world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There were so many souls that still to be saved. There were so many souls that were saved that still needed discipled or um, poured into. And so there's just so much work to be done. And so he was willing to stay. And he says, verse 23, for I'm hard pressed between the two. You know, he, he, he felt it. He felt that strain, that pull between, I just really want to go home and be with Jesus. But then I also know that there's so much work to be done here. And so if I were to leave, you know, that would leave a gaping hole of things that need done. So having, having a desire to depart, so to go be with Jesus and be with Christ, which is far better. It, it, it's, uh, oh, is that our heart? Do you really long for the return of Jesus? Do you really long for him to just, just to go home, just to finally be done with it all? Or are you so attached or am I so attached to this earthly body and this earthly experience that I really don't have a desire to go home and be with Jesus? We need to, we need to ask ourselves that because that should be our heart is a longing for our savior. Nevertheless, verse 24, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So here's that bond servant again, thinking of others greater than himself and saying, as much as I would love to be at home with the Lord and be in the presence of Jesus and just have all of this be over. I also know that it's important that I'm here and that God has a job for me and I need to fulfill that calling until my last breath, until he decides to take me home. I'm going to give you an apologetic here. Just you know, it says here from hard pressed to be between the two, having desire to depart and beware with the Lord. There's no soul sleep. That's something that's taught. Um, I think the seventh day Adventists teach soul sleep. Um, and there's some other religions that teach it as well. It th No, I'm, we don't die and then go to sleep. Okay. When it talks about sleeping, in the Bible, it, it means because it's like we're dead. We look like, or we look like we're sleeping when you die. Like when we go to a funeral and it has an open casket, what do we tell our kids? You know, when we, well, we don't tell them, hopefully we don't lie to them and tell them they're sleeping, but that's what the kid thinks because that's what it looks like. It looks like they're lying in a casket and they're just sleeping and they could wake up at any moment. 
And so that was how it was described in the scriptures. But clearly the scriptures do not teach a soul sleep. Paul right here can tell you he knew that if he were to die at that moment, that he would immediately be in the presence of the Lord. The thief on the cross, when Jesus looked over and says, today you will be with me in paradise. So he didn't say, well, you'll be soul sleeping for, you know, thousands of years, but then eventually you'll be with me. No, there's the Bible does not teach a soul sleep. And so keep that, you know, that kind of in the back of your mind when you hear those that that false teaching, um, because when you die to be to be to be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. And as, and as Paul says here, if I were to part, I'd be with Christ. If he ha- if he was just going to go soul sleep, why would he want to leave? That doesn't even make any sense. He'd just stay here. He'd be like, well, why would I? go why would i want to go and why would i want to die today if i'm just going to go and sleep i can sit here i can stay here and just do all this work and so it doesn't even make sense with what paul is even describing why it would be where he would want to leave anyway all right so verse 25 and being confident so here's paul he's got another confident i am very confident of this i know that i shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy and faith and so however he knew that, whether the Holy Spirit had just spoke that to him, he he knew it wasn't his time. He knew that he was going to be able to get out of this situation and have more time on this earth to um, go make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, as we're all commanded to do. And so that you are, so that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. He loved this this church so much and this church loved him so much and he could not wait and was to come and see them again hoping to come see them again he knew that it would bring them great joy to spend some more time with paul and he would be so filled with joy to spend more time with them and to really um even get to see the born again believers that have gotten added to the church in philippi because i'm sure there was a lot that um, were have been added to the church since last time he saw them. He would have loved to have meet the new brothers and sisters and see the originals, the ones that got saved in the very beginning, the very first people that became born again, that started the church in Philippi through his ministry. You know, how exciting to birth something out like that. Um, and then to know that they're doing really well. They're they're following the teachings in which Christ gave Paul, that Paul then gave them, and they're loving one another, they're walking in unity, they're doing, you know, they're carrying on the name of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and how exciting that must have been for him to want to go and just be with them again. In verse 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it goes back to that fruit of righteousness. Let our conduct be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is so important. You know, when you profess to be a Christian, you are putting Christ's name behind your actions, your attitude, your lifestyle. And you're saying you're, you're representing him. You're representing Christ, his kingdom, his truth, who he is. And so it says, let your conduct be worthy. Is our conduct worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? The things that we do, would we do those if Christ was sitting with us? The things that we say, would we talk like that in front of Jesus? The things that we watch on television, would we watch that with Jesus? Would we share a bowl of popcorn with Jesus and watch that with him? Right? Would we, uh, the things, 
you know, every, everything, the things that we wear, would we wear that if we were going out with Jesus? Would we, uh, you know, just all these things we need to really ask ourselves, like the conduct of our lives. Would I talk to my husband that way? Or my, my wife that way? If Jesus was in the room, would I talk to my children that way? If Jesus was in the room, would I do that at work? Would I, um, you know, lie on my hours or, uh, do a certain thing at work. I don't know if Jesus was, if Jesus was in the room and watching, would, would I do those things? Right. Would I, uh, whatever it is, our conduct needs to be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because we are reflecting him. Now we're not going to do this perfectly. No one does it perfectly. And that's what this, those great simple words, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Two other simple words, right? I did not represent Christ when I did this. I did not rep represent Christ who I say that I follow when I said this. We apologize. That's all you can do. And then change the behavior, change the behavior and say, I learned my lesson on that. I'm not going to do that again because we're all walking this thing out and people, they can respect that. It's the Christians that are just saying, oh, I'm a Christian, but then they watch their life and their life is like full of hypocrisy. Like that's, that's Jesus. That's, that's what a Christ follower looks like. That's how a Christ follower acts. That's how a Christ follower treats their spouse. That's how a Christ follower, you know, A, B, and C. And then they think, oh, so it's just another religion. It doesn't actually, there's not a transformed life. It's just another religion because to it may just be another religion to that person, person that's professing Christ, but their life's not transformed. You know, if we're truly born again, believers, blood bought, redeemed children of God, then he is our father. Then we are children that represent his name, Christ, Jesus. We represent the name of the family of God. We represent Jesus Christ. And our conduct must line up with the conduct of Jesus Christ to walk in that holiness, to walk in that purity, to walk separated from this world. We don't do the things that the world does. We don't participate in the things the world participates in. We don't act like the world. We don't try to look like the world in order to fit in with the world. We're presenting a completely different kingdom. And so he says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul saying, man, even if I don't get a chance to come see you, I pray that that's what I hear. That the, the people that are watching your lives, that people that are watching you can come back and report back to me and say that is one united body over there in Philippi. They love each other. They're standing firm on the faith. They're standing firm on the apostles' teachings. They will, they're not wavering on who Jesus is and how to conduct themselves as Christ followers. They have they 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 are one mind, one accord. They're a team working together to represent Christ in the region of Philippi, in Greece, modern day Greece. And that's what Paul wants to hear. And that's what Jesus 
wants us to do. Jesus prayed for us to be in uni unity and to be unified. That was one of his prayers in chapter 17, John chapter 17, is that we would be a unified body. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we? Are we conducting ourselves in a way that's worthy of the gospel? Have we, are we conformed to this world? Or have we been transformed by the renewing of our mind and we are completely separated from this world? Are we trying to be like the world, look like the world, act like the world, but just put a Jesus cherry on it? Because the darker this world gets, the more pagan this world is, the more we should stand out is looking and being and talking and everything really different. Like there should be so something so different about you. Because you are Christ. You are his. You are his, 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 um, Children, you're his bride. And would Paul hear that we are one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel? Are we really one mind striving together for the faith, for the gospel? Are we working together to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out there to a lost world? Are we all sacrificing our time, talent, and treasure to get this, to get the gospel out there? Are we sacrificing for one another? Are we walking in this beautiful faith of unity for the gospel? Because that's our greatest witness, you guys. Our greatest witness isn't us just being able to, you know, recite a bunch of Bible verses to somebody. Our greatest witness isn't just because we've read, you know, all the works of John MacArthur and whoever else. Our greatest witness isn't the fact that we've got, you know, a thousand people coming to our church. That's not our greatest witness is a body of believers that are united in the service of Jesus Christ, loving one another, sold out to one another, to Christ, for Christ, using our gifts and talents together to make sure no one has a need within the body and then to go out and spread the good news together in love. To have that bond of love. It starts on Sundays. That's the start because we come together and we worship together and, and we and we labor over the scriptures together and we take a communion cup together and, and, and we pray with one another and we talk and we fellowship and we eat together and that, that's where it starts. That's just the start. Remember, Sunday is the beginning of the week. And then from there, we're continuing to fellowship and go from house to house and break bread with one another. And then we go and we're reaching that lost and we're, reach, we're outreaching to, to a lost and broken world about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that world's able to see the difference in this body that love each other. It works. When we come together and we truly do this, it is the most beautiful thing you'll ever be a part of. It's so beautiful. But it takes everybody coming together and laying down their pride, their egos, their whatevers. And it also takes everybody picking up their cross and following Christ daily. It takes everybody sacrificing and coming together so that it can be a well-oiled machine, right? It takes all the saints Elders, being able to be elders and do what elders are called to do. Deacons coming and serving and doing what they're called to do so that there's not so much pressure on the elders. You know, it's, 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 a, 
the body. Christ the head, one body working together in perfect unity. And that's what Paul wanted to hear about them. He's like, if I can't come, I at least want to hear that this is still going on. This is what you guys are doing. In verse 28, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, that in that from God. For to you, if it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Don't be afraid of our adversaries. We're always going to have adversaries. Don't be afraid of the false teachers and the false prophets and the people who um, are making fun of you for being a Christian or the people who, um, you know, aren't following the same Jesus as you or have a biblical worldview. They're always going to be out there and they're always going to be persecuting God's kids because that's how it is. Even Judas was among the twelve. There's always tares among the wheat. There's always a wolf in sheep's clothing, especially now they're like everywhere now because they've been given a platform and there's no um, unity in the church really to be able to like expel them. They, they, they just go out and they can do whatever they want. So we, they're abounding and, but don't be afraid of them. The church was persecuted. So obviously there was people coming in that were persecuting them because they were preaching Jesus and, um, and, and that was everywhere we went. And I know we don't have a lot of physical persecution here in, in America. But our brothers and sisters around the world do. And they're facing it every day. Continue to pray for them and lift them up in prayer. And also understand that it very well could come to us someday. And we need to be prepared for it as well. But for right now, maybe your biggest persecution is you lost friends on Facebook. Maybe there's family members that don't no longer want anything to do with you. Maybe there's neighbors who, because you're Christian and, and you live it, they, you know, they don't like you. I don't know. Maybe your coworkers, you're the crypt. So you're made fun of at work or you're treated poorly or whatever, you know, don't be afraid. You just keep standing fast for the word of God. Stand fast in the name of Jesus. Love people, love the hell out of them. We say that all the time right here. Love the hell out of people. Unsaved people are full of pain and sin and, you know, they need to see the real Jesus. They need to see the Jesus of love and compassion and goodness and kindness and graciousness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control and joy, and peace. And maybe that's why you're there. Even though you're getting persecuted, even though it's a hard job, even though it's a bad neighborhood, even though it's a pick whatever that might be exactly why god has you there to be the light and the salt in that situation to bring people to christ that they may know him and be eternally saved because of you just like paul was in prison john bunyan was in his prison you know and so don't be afraid don't be afraid just keep going Keep going. For you have been granted on behalf of Christ to not only believe in him. So we love that part. We love we love this verse. We love this half of the verse. We've all been, you know, if you're truly born again, then you were granted the ability to believe. The father drew you onto himself. He called you. 
and chose you from the foundation of the earth. The son came and died for you and shed his blood for you so that you may be justified and positionally made whole and sanctified. The Holy Spirit came, sanctified you, is sanctifying you, and will be and then you will get glorified in Christ Jesus. But you know what also we've been granted to do? We're also granted privilege to suffer for Christ. So we like the part where we're granted, you know, for salvation and to believe. We're, we love that part to believe in Christ that, yay, the Father gave us the ability to believe in Christ. Yay, thank you, Jesus. Woo! But what about that other half? Oh, wait a minute. You mean it's also been granted to me <clears throat> to suffer persecution on behalf of Christ? Ugh. I didn't sign up for that part of it. I signed up for the the salvation part. You know, I just want to go to heaven and all my sins forgiven. And I just, you know, I didn't sign up for the part that I'm going to have to suffer. But that's also been granted to you and I to suffer on behalf of Christ. It's such an honor and a privilege to suffer on his behalf. And, and Christ told us that we would. He promised us trials and tribulations. He promised us that he said, listen, the world hated me. How much more are they going to hate you? The servant's not greater than his master. And Jesus is perfect. He had perfect love, perfect teaching. He was healing them, casting out demons. He was walking on water. You know, he had control over the weather. Like he was, he is God doing amazing things. And I'm not doing all that. And I'm not sinless perfection. So I make mistakes, a lot of them. So how much more are they going to hate us or hate me? It's, but it's been granted to me to suffer. This is part of walking in Christ. This is part of us being born again believers. This is part of it. Having the same conflict, verse 30, which you saw in me and now here is in, in me. So him being in prison, we're going to have these same conflicts. If you're out there preaching the gospel, if you're out there standing up for a biblical worldview, if you are standing firm on a biblical worldview, there's no way you're not going to get persecuted, even if it's online. I don't know. Your family. I mean, anywhere. Because, and I'm not saying that we go out there and we're like purposely like offending people. Like that's, we're to live a peaceable life. But we're also to preach the gospel. We're to tell people about Jesus Christ. We're to call people to repentance and tell them that, you know, their sin has them as an enemy of God and that his wrath abides on them. That's the bad news. But then there's this really great good news I get to give you. And that's that Jesus died for you so that that doesn't have to be your reality anymore. But you have to repent and change your mind about your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ. And that means turning away from your sin. And see, that's the part they don't want to hear about. If you'll just let them stay in their sin and have Jesus, they're fine with that. But if you tell them they have to turn away from, that they can no longer do those things, if that's not a part of being a Christian anymore, that's we, we walk away from those sins. That's where the persecution starts to come in. Wait, you're telling me I can't worship this anymore? You're telling me I can't sleep with people like this anymore? You're telling me I can't smoke that anymore? I can't drink that anymore? I can't whatever? Oh, heck no. You ain't, mm -mm. You ain't taking my idols from me. And then you become the source of their anger. So, but it's part of, part of our walk, guys. That's why it's a hard road. That's why it's a narrow road. Having a biblical worldview in this pagan culture 
that where they have declared everything good is now evil and everything evil is now good. You're going to suffer. But it's okay. Count it all joy when you find yourself in various trials and tribulations, my friends. Count it all joy. Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. And what did Paul say? He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the end. You're resting in the palm of his hand where nothing or no one can snatch you out. And these trials and tribulations and persecutions are temporary. Keep your mind and self focused on heavenly things, on the heavenly inheritance. Jesus is coming back for you. It will not always be like this. But stand firm, stand united as a body of believers for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true gospel, the true Jesus of the scriptures. Continue to grow in your knowledge and your discernment so that you can fight against the deceptions of the Antichrist spirit that has overtaken this world and especially our country. False teachers abound and they're everywhere. They're on YouTube, they're on TikTok, they're on Instagram. They're, oh my gosh, they're in like so many of the churches now. The false teachings are the fastest growing movement. Stand strong on the word. Let the word be your final authority, not your feelings, not your emotions, and not your experiences. This is our final authority. I love you guys. I'll bring chapter two probably next week. And I just pray that you guys walk in your gifts and callings, spur on the rest of the body, light the fire of the rest of the body by you being obedient and walking in your gift and calling. Maybe it'll spur on others to have the boldness to do the same. I hope and pray that you go to a Bible teaching, Bible believing church, or you're part of a family of God, not just a, not just a building, but a true family that worships God in spirit and in truth, which means they worship him the way he said to worship him. And they worship the God of scripture. And if you need help in any of those kind of areas, reach out to me. Or if you have any questions or concerns or need anything, again, reach out to me. God bless you. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.